0: Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion. Thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. I am so excited for this episode. So I decided to title this episode, Do You Need Some Um in Your Life? Therefore, I thought this would be a great time to invite my special guest, Mr. Deverell Austin. And Deverell is a yoga teacher and speaker passionate about integrating yoga into schools, households, corporations, and the healthcare system as a preventative and restorative medicine. He has been teaching yoga for over a decade and on the path for twice as long. He has journeyed throughout Asia, Africa, South America, and the continental U.S., discovering and immersing himself in local healing practices, eventually innovating his unique self-care, self-love style. Yoga has helped him to overcome a myriad of traumas, including ankylosing spondylitis, depression, and anxiety. He currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, and hopes one day to build a space similar to an ashram where people can come and explore the path and find their unique way. So, welcome to the podcast, Dev. That's what you pretty much like to go by, correct?
1: Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Excellent. So I want to just start off by just asking. So I was looking at some statistics online and according to a website called Zipia, a career expert website, it states and it estimates basically demographics and statistics in the U.S. for yoga teachers. And it stated that over 21,668 individuals are yoga teachers and are currently employed in the U.S. And so you look at that number, they say 74 percent are women, 21% are men. And of those 77% are white, followed by Hispanic 9.3%. And then African Americans, as far as being instructors is 6.4%. So I would assume that percentage for the African American community, as far as African American men being instructors is even smaller. So can you explain how did you become interested in becoming a yoga teacher and your path into becoming a yoga instructor? Oh.
1: Thank you for that question. It's an intense question because it's been it's been a journey. I guess I first got. I honestly, when I started yoga, I didn't know anything about it. I had maybe seen it, you know, in like a magazine or on something online. But, honest to goodness, I knew nothing about it. And, but I was uh, going through some stuff. I had aches mm-hmm. and pains in my body. I was I was in my early twenties, and so I guess that you can say in some way in. I was maybe disconnected from my physical self, right? Okay. And so just things were going on. And uh, I started to grow my hair and get locks because mm-hmm. it was the only thing on my body that I could control.
2: You mm-hmm. know,
1: I was dropping things, all that, whatever was going on. And my tician is the one who said to me, hey, my parents... You know, they're like 60 and 70 years old and they Mm -hmm. do this thing that helps them with their arthritis and, you know, and of course my ego kicked in. I was like, oh my gosh, well, if, you know, these, these folks can do it his parents, you know, I can certainly do it. And so that's what brought me to my first yoga studio, to my first class. And honestly, I didn't love it, you know, Mm -hmm. right off the bat, I knew it was tough. It challenged me. And for whatever reason, I kept going back. And then eventually I met someone on my third class. The teacher started clapping her hands and everything. And she says, I want to give a shout out to this guy Mm -hmm. uh, who also happened to be black Mm -hmm. and uh, looked similar to me. And she was like, it was his 567th consecutive day of class. Mm, And it was intense because it's hot yoga. You know, so it's 90 minutes of this intense practice. And so I walked up to him afterwards and I was like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. I thought he was crazy. I was like, no one puts themselves through this type of torture. So (laughs) flat out says to me in these like he goes, oh, because one day I know I'll be pain free. And I started bawling. Wow. You know, like Mm -hmm. intense tears started rolling down my eyes in front of everyone, like the snotty tears, too. Mm -hmm. And so that was the moment, I guess, I knew yoga would be with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It was by seeing this guy who looked like me, you know, another black man. And he, I didn't know what his pain was. I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. it, but somehow I knew that we were in a similar position. I could Mm -hmm. see myself in him. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially, you know, what pushed me to learn more about my practice, learn mm-hmm. more about my body, and you know, eventually, maybe a year and a half, two years after I started my practice, I decided to become a yoga teacher and uh, went to found a program, went to California, and and my little really, you know, journey down the rabbit hole started.
0: Wow. So you journeyed to California. So how long were you in California during that time? And as far as your journey in becoming a yoga instructor?
1: So my first teacher training was 250 hours in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, you know, an immersive sort of a program. So we touched on a lot of different bits, the eight limbs, right? So we touched on some meditation, we touched on, you know, the philosophy of it, all of those things. At that time, we did three classes a day. So we had a morning class, afternoon class, and an evening class that was sort of to get you ready for the practice, Mm -hmm. right? And so after that session, I was, you know, I had this hankering in yoga. I wanted my old life back, the life before my pains and my discomforts. Mm And so at that point, after my first teacher training, I was like, okay, I'm kind of good now. I can Mm -hmm. go back into a corporate space. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had this, it's like you're compelled, you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. of all of the changes that you can feel in your body, it's something that you can measure in your own way. Like, Hey, am I stronger? Am I faster? Do I have more mental clarity? Do I just feel good inside? And that's what yoga kind of does for you mm-hmm. so I, I had to do more of it so then mm-hmm. after california i don't even remember how long i was there maybe i don't know i, I don't remember a couple of months maybe and just kind of kept on teaching and teaching at different studios and i was still so new like i my biggest struggle when in becoming a teacher actually was learning to get comfortable with my own voice mm-hmm. you know so that was something i had to work on and uh, My first couple of classes I taught sucked, you know, (laughs) they really did. They really did. Uh, The love people had to give me for me to continue. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this. So basically you had that first class and you just said like you were just balling. So how long did it take you to decide? Like, was it like after a couple of classes that, hey, I'm going to take this journey into becoming a yoga instructor or was it longer than that? It was a
1: lot longer than that. It was really and truly about two years. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the, I had to ask myself a series of questions.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: One was I physically ready for Mm -hmm. the practice. And so there's just this period, I guess, when I started where you want to, you know, you're like, Hey, am I actually going to keep on doing this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, early on, I met this guy who, and I didn't even really meet him. You know, I just asked him one question. I was like, why do you do this? And When you meet someone with that much belief that that puts that much effort behind the thing they're committed to, which was simply to be pain free, it makes it so easy to see yourself into that. And so, my first two years were really and truly spent going, okay, you know, can I make it to five hundred and sixty-seven classes consecutively? And I did not. I never have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But that that's the bar. That was Mm -hmm. the. bar for me. And the commitment, I think that I demonstrated just by trying to have a real practice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's when I, I just had to, I want to share it. You you want people have a similar, not even a similar experience, but just to know that they can have a similar experience, you know?
0: Yes. And so I want to dive a little bit more into your medical diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis. So for many of my listeners out there, for those of you who don't know what that condition is, it's basically a chronic multi-system inflammatory disorder. And it involves the sacroiliac joints. Basically, that's where your pelvic and your butt bone come together. There's some inflammation between those ridges there. Also, it involves the axial skeleton where it involves what what I mean by skeleton is basically your backbones and your rib bones, and so it's basically you have mostly pain at night, low back pain with no improvement with rest. Also, there's no definitive treatment out there specifically for ankylosing spondylitis, but there's a combination of things that have been tried, such as surgeries, medications, physical therapy, and it seems based on you know research that. Symptoms are improved with movement. And so I wanted to talk to Dev about that and how his journey through yoga has helped his medical conditions.
1: Thank you so much for this question. So the AS for me started when I was, I would say maybe 20 or so. There was a period of about four years where I didn't know what was going on. right And it really it was intense because you can feel and see. And other people can see your body changing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I went from being tall and straight and quick and fast and, you know, not clumsy to the opposite of all of that, to being Mm -hmm. sort of hunched and having an odd gait and just being in discomfort and ornery, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. where some of the depression, the anxiety and so on sort of came from, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so AS, though, it's this really, it's a really intense physical condition. It also has these off-label or non-textbook, you know, things that go along with it. And so some of those things, I think, are the things that maybe don't always get treated or it's 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 a little more difficult for doctors to treat, mm-hmm. you know, but we also know that it exists, right? Right. So... But again, my yoga practice, I started it because of the physical stuff that was going on. I said if I can fix the physical stuff, all the other stuff will, you know, fall in line. Didn't quite happen that way, but that's what I thought. So the style of yoga that I practice primarily, it is a series of 26 postures and two breathing exercises. It's a set sequence. And so every time you go into the class, you know what you'll be doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in and of itself, if you know, I had that. Anxiety, that kind of fear like, hey, can I go into the class? Can I do this? Yada yada yada. The truth is, once you do it once, you know, you can start to loose a little bit, let go of the angst, because mm-hmm. you know you'll your body will start to familiarize itself with what's coming. And so that was one of things that I think really started to help me integrate the postures into mm-hmm. my life because just the structured system of it, you know which mm-hmm. is somewhat different some from other styles of yoga. So if people are going through something similar, set sequences, I think, really can be beneficial. They also teach you to relearn body language, which is what I kind of feel like I teach. You know, it's not just a series of movements, but it's a, ser- it's a way for you to reconnect with your physical self. Mm-hmm. You know, to say, hey, what am I really feeling? When my heart is racing and so on, where's that coming from? How can I calm myself down and be empowered and somehow feel in control? And the same thing when you're dealing with pain on a physical level, you know, those same tactics, those same techniques, learning to breathe and Mm -hmm. exhale through the sharpness, through the punch of it all, again, just changes the settings in your brain somehow. You go from a space of pain, again, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental, you go from pain to discomfort. Mm -hmm. Which means it becomes easier to deal with. And then you go, you eventually go from discomfort to, oh, it's just a sensation. And I can choose to respond differently to that sensation rather Mm -hmm. than have a, oh my God, reaction to it. Right, right. And I don't know if that answered wholly like, you know, the answer you're looking for, like, how's yoga helped me with my AS? But it's also the, the, in, in, I, I really love the asana or the posture. You know, Mm -hmm. portion of the practice. And I am a stickler in some way when I teach for alignment, you know, really coordinating your inhales and exhales with movement, working from a foundation where you can align your body, where you can actually get a sense of, hey, here's what feels maybe in alignment to me, but I know something is off. So then when you start to You know, bring your hips into alignment. So that whole pelvic bone and the, you know, the Mm -hmm. SI joint, even learning to nutate the hips a little bit, just sort of not even tucking them, but using your abdominal muscles, you know, to suture everything up. And that will naturally kind of bring you into the right alignment, not necessarily an alignment that a someone would manipulate you physically, place hands on you and put you in, but mm-hmm. you learn to create that sort of somatic impression, that imprint in your mind of, hey, here's where I have control. Here's how I can get there. Here's how I can breathe through any sort of sensation I have. And that's the transcendental part of it. That's the part that allows you to really go and And
0: so like you said, that alignment is important and things of that nature. So it's not like you said, a manipulation like that you would probably go to like a chiropractor to like they say adjustment or a osteopathic doctor, which is a DO who does like manipulation maneuvers to help with alignment issues. So since you talked about some of the aspects of yoga, I just want to start off and just backtrack a little bit and talk about what is yoga? The history behind yoga, and then go from there.
1: Sure. So, what is yoga? Ooh. Yoga is, I think, it's defined by you. It is less so for me a theory and a philosophy, and it is a practice. You know, it's almost like no one we. I can describe to you what maybe being on a roller coaster is like, but the experience of it will be your own. Mm-hmm. And- yoga is like that it's self-realization it's the process of creating a map to your center and to your to all the spaces around you like it's it's a process of that so that's what i kind of think it is you know yoga i guess maybe folks we could say yeah it's the connection of your mind and body but Mm -hmm. when is that ever really disconnected though
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know i know it may feel that way but in the philosophy of the practice, we might call it that one of the illusions. Mm-hmm. You know, yoga, anywhere from like a couple thousand to five thousand years old when it was first written down. Mm-hmm. And it was written by someone named Patanjali. Patanjali could have been one person or he could have been a the school of people, the name of the school where these yogis would have gone to learn you know, in the woods, in the forest, but away, if you will, from some mm-hmm. of the stimuli and excess of society. And so in this book, he sort of wrote down the the process, the eight limbs of yoga. And he talks about everything from, hey, what is the practice and or how to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Sutra 1.2 in the book, it's called the Sutras of Patanjali, I should say that. And Sutras is the Sanskrit word for beads, you know, or threads, I'm sorry. So it's sort of the threads of Patanjali. So it's the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And those threads, if you will, were meant to sort of decorate them with our own beads to, you know, put our own experience, if you will, our own spin on them. Because when you do it, you're going to have a different experience. Than right. I, even though we're doing the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. so there are eight limbs as well, you know, so no matter where you want to start, you don't have to have like an actual, y- y- you can start anywhere. They, we have the yamas, which would sort of be like the morals and the ethics and then the niyamas. So yeah, morals, we have morals, we have ethics, then we would have the asana, which would sort of be the physical portion of the practice, pranayama. Mm-hmm. I'm saying these out of order asana, pradayama. We would have pratyahara, which is sort of a turning inward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We would then have dharana, which is concentration, dhyana, meditation. And then we would have enlightenment after that point. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was intense.
0: So, <laughs> so those are all the eight limbs of yoga.
1: Yeah, those are the okay. eight limbs. And I think What kind of fascinates me in my sort of exploration and study of it all Mm -hmm. is that yoga isn't this sort of one thing before it was what we just know it as today. Give credit to the sages and the yogis and all those people who took like their entire life just to focus on one part of the practice. Mm hmm. They took time to contemplate, okay, if I breathe this way, what does it do? Where does the breath travel in my body? How does it work, you know, with my cardiovascular system and my circulatory, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they wrote this down Mm -hmm. and passed this on. And so I focus primarily on the asana, on pranayama, on breathing, and then on the pratyahara, the withdrawal, because that's sort of how I move through my chronic pain experience, you know? Okay. Yeah.
0: I don't know how to pronounce the different limbs, but mm-hmm. I wanted to see, you mentioned that one was the turning inward versus meditation. What's the difference between those? Like how does, how do those differ?
1: I would say Pratyahara is, it is the almost like turning off your senses in mm-hmm. some way where you no longer you may close your eyes so that you can no longer see. So you're not responding to the stimuli there. Okay. You might make sure that you're in, and these are more so uh, in a practical expression of it, right? Okay. So then you would say, okay, I'm in a setting where I can control the sound. So there's no sound coming in. You would maybe have cleansed your palate and watched what you ate prior to practice or prior to meditation because it affects, you know, your gut. And your system there, you know, but basically closing off all of your senses in some way and allowing yourself to feel on a deeper level
2: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, beyond the surface sensation. And then the we would have Dharana. So the focus you know, mm-hmm. which is, again, really intense and different to in some way from meditation, right? So you want to learn how to like maybe focus on your breathing, focus on the color, focus on a mantra, but it's the concentration. It's a doing of something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then meditation is, if you will, the not doing. Okay. It's the letting okay. go part, which is okay. super challenging.
0: Yes. Because we have thoughts going through our head all the time. So... I wanted to ask you uh, as well, what is the philosophy behind yoga?
1: I th- that's, that feels like a super loaded question because on some level, I'm trying to figure that out. Right? Okay. And when I say that, I think I want to figure that out in relation to me, not necessarily as I then have to relate to the books and to all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more about the practical application of yoga. Like, hey, do this and I promise you it's going to it's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how and all of that stuff, but I know it will. And I want individuals who really need it mm-hmm. to connect with it in a similar way. But the philosophy of it. So this would be, I mean, in sort of the sutras in a similar way it's not a religious practice. It is a philosophy that I think empowers us. It teaches us that whatever we're looking for and so on comes from within. It tells you that your internal fire, that thing you can stoke is your breath. It tells you that your body is your temple and how to care for it and to be mindful of it. And then it also tells you how to experience connection and compassion. With mm-hmm. other people and not just with other people but also with your environment how to if you will when you said oh mm-hmm. like it teaches you how to feel that vibration mm-hmm. in everything mm-hmm. because we're never necessarily separate is what it's also trying to say you know that's sort of the illusion of it all can i set slight tangent here sure i'll tell you so in a lot of these books were written, the sutras were written a couple years ago, and there's some inaccuracy thousands of years ago, right? For folks who maybe didn't have, they didn't have Wi-Fi, they didn't have Wi-Fi issues, you know, they didn't have like phones and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm in this sort of a space where I want to make almost, modernize some of that text so that it can be more relatable and accessible to people mm-hmm. who I think need it the most you know we what what is yoga it yoga has an essence it it has that same thread and no mm-hmm. matter how i decorate that thread and color it with my experience and whatever else the essence of it has is going to remain the same i just think that we have to create ways to make that essence more accessible and relatable to people you know it's like a few years ago we had that whole sat scandal thing where Mm -hmm. or not it wasn't a scandal but they were talking about basically how the sat's were inherently biased because Mm -hmm. they asked questions that favored kids from a different demographic or background you know like asking questions about skiing or taking going fishing or something like that Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, I've never done any it. of that for so some people. Yes. The stretch, the leap for you to have to get there is just, you know, we can, we can make that a lot smaller. So when I'm teaching, I, I tell people, Hey, do you remember when maybe growing up, you heard your grandmother or your sister or, or your grand someone in your family humming and they were, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same. It's no different from, Oh, and getting that vibration in, it's mm-hmm. the intention and the essence that we put behind it mm-hmm. that allows us to really connect with ourselves and then connect with, if you will, or build and develop a real practice. Just being a 100%, I can't connect with these individuals who wore loincloths and so on thousands of years ago mm-hmm. you know, with unless I can apply or layer my own experiences and feel very comfortable doing that on top Mm -hmm. of, you know, what's there. I think it's important for people to remember that there's no practice without you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to be the most important part of it, not your teacher, not necessarily what's in a book or anything like that. It's going to be your sincerity. You know, it is going to be your desire for something different that you can even direct in some way, you know, Mm -hmm. being pain-free. Mm-hmm. You know, emotional pain, mental pain, physical pain, but being healthier and better in that way, like, be sincere about that. And I mm-hmm. promise, promise you, you'll find your way. Pick up the books when you're ready to, if you need to. I didn't look at any of that until maybe two years into my practice, you know, so... Yes, so the philosophy of yoga is all in this in in the sutras. It is also you know in the Bhagavad Gita, which is an amazing uh, epic poem. And I also find it you know they're kind of the same lessons. Mm-hmm. There. The same eight limbs are expoused in the Gita that are in the sutras, but you know the sutras is much more philosophical, and mm-hmm. you know written for theory and pondering but the gita is much more a story that you can relate to and follow i think a little bit differently and so they're also nice to read side by side which is kind of what i'm doing now a little bit
0: So I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not like a religious practice. It's like a philosophy which you bring when you bring yourself to the practice itself. And I like to at least uh, mention to the listeners, I practice yoga myself. I didn't know with my my first experience of actually practicing yoga, not really being educated about it at all. But, you know, I think you made a great point doing something different. Different that's going to benefit you mentally and physically that you've never tried before, and willing to take that chance and doing something out of the norm. And I think, you know, for my journey, it's been at least five to six years that I've been practicing yoga. So I think that is great that you mentioned that because a lot of people have the mindset and I think it's a myth associated with the practice of yoga that it's a religious thing and that you have to leave your current practice of whatever religion or whatever you believe in behind to practice yoga. So I want to put that out there that that's a myth and you don't have to neglect or whatever that's personal spiritual experience for you when you practice yoga.
1: Thank you for saying that and calling that out.
0: So the eight limbs of yoga, is that the same as the different types of yoga that people may practice as far as the asana? I think the physical part that you mentioned because, you know... You mentioned, oh, you went to this hot yoga. So what are the different types of physical, I guess, yoga versus the other types of yoga that people can practice?
1: Sure. So there's tons of different styles of yoga and the (laughs) uh, eight limbs are different from the asana portion of the practice. So the asana is one of the eight limbs.
0: And so basically the asana is the physical portion that when people sign up for a class, that's what you're going to, you're practicing the asana portion of the limb of yoga, basically, is what you're saying.
1: Yes. And there are tons of different styles
0: of, of these things.
1: And they each have their own specific benefits, right? No matter which one you do and where you start, it's going to benefit you. Okay, but we would I would say the maybe more, most popular ones and Ashtanga would be first. Mm-hmm. I would say Ashtanga is also a set sequence. It was started by well, major teachers at least in the lineage, but like Patabi Joyce and things like that. But it was it made to help like young adults who had excess energy. It was the sequence was designed to help them burn off that excess energy, so that they could then sit down and, if you will, concentrate on their studies or their the other portion, the meditative part of their practice. So, pretty much all asana that we do is preparing you for stillness, Mm -hmm. right? And so. Ashtanga yoga is one style of yoga. It's a set sequence. Set sequences, I think, can be beautiful because you know what's coming next, you know, mm-hmm. and your, your body gets to you can track your progress differently. there. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, we have hot yoga which used to be called Bikram yoga. And then-
0: because yes, that's what I, yeah, I remember hearing about that. That was like back, like when it was first becoming popular.
1: So, but, so you'd have maybe hot yoga. Hot yoga has, again, it's a set sequence. It's done in a heated room. Does not have to be, which we certainly learned during the pandemic. You're still going to receive the benefits, the 26 and two postures. So if you follow it at home or you want to continue your practice at home, the heat is, you know, primarily going to be there for your like skin, your integumentary system, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, yes. it's going to be there for that. It's going to help you sweat your lymphatic system. So, you know, th- those are some of the main benefits of the heat, your connective tissue. So the fascia, the ligaments, your tendons, it helps maybe you f- to stretch that differently you yeah, know, tons of other benefits for your circulatory musculatory system all of that so but you don't need the heat again independent of that you can still build a sweat you're still you know heart is still pumping you're still working your respiratory cardio circulatory every system is still getting you know a benefit from the practice so hot yoga is there we would have vinyasa vinyasa mm-hmm. is not a set sequence It's where you might hear a lot of the sun salutations and then also a lot of the up dog, down dog or chaturangas. Is it okay for me to give maybe some thoughts on who, you know, how you find your practice? Like if you're first starting yoga.
0: Mm -hmm. Once you go through the different types, who will benefit from a particular type of yoga? You know, if you never experienced yoga before.
1: All right. So there's one other major style, I guess, which is yin yoga. Mm -hmm. And they can all sort of be broken down in some sense in these categories. Yin yoga was developed, and it's relatively new, I guess, like less than 50 years old, I'm sure, started by a guy named Bernie Clark. And it has some of its roots, not only in yoga, but also in martial arts as a practice. Mm -hmm. And so yin is, there are very few postures in the sequence, if you will, or in the whole Canon, the asha, uh, posture canon of that mm-hmm. style. And you would hold the postures longer. So anywhere from one minute to five minutes. And so it really works on your nervous system on just connective tissue and really lengthening muscle fibers, right? And it does it passively and with gravity, where a mm-hmm. lot of the other styles of yoga that I mentioned, you would be working in some sense against gravity. To build Mm -hmm. muscles, strengthen, and so on. This is a, can be a much more gentle style of yoga.
0: Okay. So you mentioned like basically four major types of yoga, the physical type of yoga, the asana that most people are currently practicing. So what would you say to a person that's new to yoga and... Okay, I'm trying to figure out what would be the best class for me to take. Should I take a certain class if I have a certain type of medical condition or should I start something as a beginner that allow me to ease into the practice and not be so overwhelming with the different postures?
1: You know, I think so. Yes, different styles of yoga are going to be better, I think, for different people. And, you know, depending on what type of physical experience you're having, and it's not to say that you can't mix and integrate the different styles as you need to, but yin yoga, I think can be really restorative. It can be really therapeutic and cathartic, you know, and it's going to always be great for individuals who, for whatever reason, are more comfortable being close to the floor. Okay. Some individuals who have maybe issues with their lower extremities, ankles, knees, hip gait issues, things like that, even lower back issues, uh, yin yoga could be really cathartic there. And even for your back issues, I don't want to discourage folks or any type of joint issues. I don't want you to think that any of the other styles wouldn't work for you. But if you're in some sort of acute experience, like acute pain or mm-hmm. anything like that, You don't have to avoid practicing. You just have to be more vigilant in your practice and mindful of the sensation signals your body is sending you. And yin yoga, I think, really helps you to feel that and to take a (sighs) wusa before you respond to it. You know, you can Mm -hmm. honestly just sit and be in a pose and scan your body and Mm -hmm. say, okay, where am I feeling? What am I feeling? And how can I relate to it differently? How can I have a different experience? Because even if you can't stop the pain, you can stop, you can change again, how you receive and process that signal, how you interpret it in the brain and make it comfort, you know? Mm -hmm. So yin for those folks, uh, I would say Ashtanga and Ashtanga and Bikram, they seem like they can be really intense physical practices. Yes. They can be, I don't want to say that they're not, but. Mm Don't let that discourage you. Mm -hmm. The truth is, there's no practice without you. So Mm -hmm. I stood up, and I think my first couple of classes, I laid down more than I did anything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, my first year of practicing was in Bikram, working on standing and looking at myself in the mirror. You know, I didn't do half the postures. I literally worked on finding balance in my feet, you know, Mm -hmm. like... Lifting one leg up, doing all the like things that you would think that you're not supposed to do, but you have to, you develop some courage that way. You develop a connection with yourself. You
0: know? So when you talk about the Bikram yoga, how hot is the temperature set for those rooms? I feel bashful saying, because then I feel like you won't come.
1: No, it's like 104 degrees and 40% humidity. You can have a warm yoga session. You know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. it feels like a warm summer day. I taught those for a while, you know, (laughs) and you have a very, it's not too much of a different experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's toasty. You sweat, you know?
0: But yeah, but like you said, it may benefit certain individuals with certain medical conditions. So I would imagine people with more musculoskeletal tight muscles, that type of humidity and high temp will help relax those muscles, improve that tension and spasms in the muscles. So, but are those, like the hot yoga and I think the other one that you said with the set sequences, Ashtanga, Ashtanga are those more advanced levels of Types of yoga or you can be a beginner at that as well as far as pra- that practice?
1: Yeah, you can be a beginner. I'll, I'll speak specifically for Bikram because it's like, you know, I love it. But it, it, it it's a beginner sequence. So we teach 26 postures and they're like 84. That there are actually in there. And primarily, what we're doing is we're flexing the joint or the spine. We're working everything around the spine and making sure that you move it in all its natural directions, you know, elongation, flexion, back bends, forward bends, everything sort of gets worked out in any, you know, it's not about the depth of the pose. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that you're getting to move it, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. you're retraining your body to just move in these sort of organic ways like when you see kids or if you have kids and they do all this stuff and move around Mm -hmm. your body gets a chance to do that in a safe way Mm -hmm. essentially but yeah so it's a it's a beginner class quite frankly okay you feel free to take your time with it if you came in one of my classes that's how i teach and would teach you know Mm -hmm. So
0: that's great to know because you definitely explained the four major types of yoga practices that are most common um, in most classes that are practiced across the U.S. Because I didn't realize that there were like classes with set sequences because I've been practicing for some time. And when I attend class, it's never the same sequence. So I was like, okay, I must be practicing vinyasa. And that's something I learned today because it's never the same, you know, when I go to class. So I was just like, okay, yeah, I have not memorized anything. So I say, obviously, I've been taking vinyasa classes. (laughs)
1: It it feels different though, doesn't it? It, Yeah, And and even that like type A personalities, I find more gravitate towards the, you know, set sequences. Mm -hmm. And so there are lots of different ways for you to figure out what works best for you. But if you're just getting into yoga and you're trying to say, okay, like, well, where do I go? I would say to you, find a teacher you're really comfortable with, It's sort of, I think, in a studio space. And if you're practicing at home, you know, same thing, create a space and a setting that you're Mm -hmm. comfortable with, because that alone allows you to then explore and experience your body differently. You know, Mm -hmm. I went to, I traveled, did all this stuff so that I could go to different studios, you know, and it impacted the practice and how I received whatever was coming out of the teacher's mouth. You know what I mean? So a really great setting, a really great teacher. And then really understanding whether you'd want to go fast or slow. Mm -hmm. Yin is slower. Ashtanga is fast. Vinyasas can be medium to fast, you know. Mm -hmm. And those are generalizations, but still. So, yeah, I'd say some of those things. If you do have back pain and, you know, some stuff like the AS going on, and you are Bikram to me or hot yoga, the 26 and 2 sequence, it is so alignment based, and we focus on precision and muscular engagement, and, you know, flexing or contracting the spine, using the spine in these different ways, mm-hmm. um, and the breath and breathing, you know, I find it to be a really amazing practice if you've got any sort of, you know, muscular skeletal thing going on. Uh, I've taught folks who have one per, you know, someone who had no big toes. I've taught people with knee injuries, people with hip stuff, like I, uh, you know, all of that, spinal issues, chiari. And so I just want to say it's accessible.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that, that it is accessible because with my experiences in taking uh, yoga classes, you have instructors that modify for, you know, people all of the time based on whatever condition that they may be dealing with. Just like what you mentioned, like, okay, do you have chronic back pain issues? Do you have knee issues which may limit, you know, your, your ability to you know, perform some of the certain postures. So there's modifications that are available. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yes, it's accessible, but also it can be modified to suit your needs so that you can get the benefits from yoga. Absolutely. So what are some of the health benefits of yoga? You've had your own personal journey from the musculoskeletal standpoint. Are there some additional benefits that you've noticed or the research that you've come across that has proven to be beneficial with using yoga as a benefit to your health?
1: Yeah. So they're definitely, you know, just speaking personally, I mentioned anxiety and depression. Those were things that I dealt with. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people deal with those things. Uh, Yoga gave me the pause that I needed when I needed it. And those moments where you're like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Like you feel like you don't have enough space somewhere yoga is the thing that creates space it'll create space in your mind just like it'll create space in your joints it'll create space in your heart it does all of that but i would say it can also help you to you know lower blood pressure it can help with your respiratory system increasing lung capacity it will help with simple mental clarity more blood pumping to the brain With pranayama, we can increase the different gases, if you will, more carbon dioxide in the brain, improving lucidity for people at different points, ADHD. You know, I work with someone who has Alzheimer's, actually. And for them, the set sequence helps him with simply that somatic learning and not becoming aware of where he is learning to come back to his breathing and to his breath. And so I think it also creates an anchor point for our emotions Mm -hmm. and it allows us to balance or feel some sort of balance between the outside world and our actual selves.
0: So can you elaborate? So Prana, is it Pranayama? Is that a breathing type of yoga exercise or is it physical as well?
1: Pranayama is strictly breathing. And it would be, you know, it's, I think, in the Sanskrit translation, it's like the life force or energy, you know, is prana is life force energy. And in some way, we're saying pranayama is the manipulation of that Or exerting some sort of control over that so really popular ones that you may see if you're focusing on this part of the practice if you're saying hey i'm real i've had a really stressful day or even you know i have five minutes before i go into a meeting whatever the case is you need to do some yoga do some pranayama Mm -hmm. You can do alternate nostril breathing, which is sort of inhaling, exhaling through one nostril at a time, sort of alter, you know, it would be Nadi Shuddhi or Nadi Shadana in Sanskrit. And it improves balance between the hemispheres of the brain. Mm -hmm. In Bikram yoga, we have the Bikram Pranayama is what it's called. It improves lung capacity. If you have costochondritis, anything like that, chest pain, rib cage pain, it'll help you to improve those discomforts and again improve lung capacity. Helps with you know shoulders, joints things of that nature um so pranayama is pretty much any breathing exercise and you'll come across a lot of different ones and they also have very specific benefits tied to them there would be a cleansing breath maybe which is sort of like lion's breath or kapalbati breathing where you're pushing out toxins out of your body because breathing is one of the ways we can do that it's just you know Pranayama is all breathing and their classes devoted to this, their workshops online devoted to this. And again, it's just what makes yoga accessible, because at the end of the day, we're all sort of going to arrive at the same wusa or peace within ourselves.
0: It's a lot of health benefits based on what you just mentioned from practicing yoga. So you have the heart health benefit. You mentioned the breathing, improving your breathing capacity, as well as, you know, helping with depression, anxiety, as well as just stress. And I was looking at an article, I think it was like healthline.com. They mentioned that because there are issues where they've seen that studies have found that many may have decreased symptoms of depression by influencing the production of stress hormones in the body. And for, I think, if you guys remember from listening to previous episodes of mine, I've talked about the benefits of relieving stress. And stress, it produces a hormone called cortisol. So that high level of cortisol causes issues such as obesity, high blood pressure, impacting sleep. So yoga has been shown with certain studies to decrease those cortisol levels so you'll have that additional benefit. So there is some benefit to yoga. It's not about just stretching and breathing. There's some research behind the different postures that have been a part of the asana, the physical part of practicing yoga. In addition, the other thing about yoga that I've learned personally for myself, it helps with flexibility and balance think personally for yourself at times that, hey, I'm pretty flexible. But yeah, the practice of yoga can basically say, no, you're not flexible, (laughs) in a sense, but it can improve that with continued practice, correct?
1: Absolutely.
0: How could I forget those?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yoga is going to doesn't matter where you start, you're gonna improve flexibility or balance. I think in my whole thing, you know, I was told when I got diagnosed with AS that hey, it used to be called bamboo spine,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: and so essentially the the disc between you know the vertebrae are meant to fuse over time, and so I was scared beyond like oh I was already hunching, I was already stiff in the mornings. You can't imagine the like terror that goes through your body thinking oh my gosh, I'm like twenty something, this is it, I'm gonna be stiff and uh, (laughs) frozen for the rest of my life and so i went into my bikram classes at the time the hot yoga classes and i worked on mentally and physically creating i want to create space between each of those discs Mm -hmm. and believe my back is now super super flexible
0: awesome
1: i do you know but the, the poses they really do you create space between the joints Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And imagine what you do with more space. If you look around the room you're in or wherever you are listening to this in your car, you know, what would you do with more space? And your joints are somewhat saying the same thing. So Mm -hmm. we improve flexibility, improving, you know, uh, everything from just range of motion in the joints Mm -hmm. to muscle stiffness. All of that stuff gets impacted for the better through practice.
0: And I think, too, you mentioned as well earlier, it improves Endurance and body strength, right? As as well, because you had to have to hold those postures. You're using your body weight to hold up some of those postures. That's important to kind of remember as well. But I wanted to ask about the additional benefit that I came across, and I never really thought about it, that yoga plays a role in healthier eating habits as regards to mindfulness in eating. And I know like for people who don't know what mindful eating is, it's basically the intuitive eating where there's a concept that encourages you to be present in the moment while eating. So can you elaborate how that can be connected to yoga?
1: Absolutely. So I would think that in, we talk about gut instinct, gut intuition, you know, we <laughs> might even say that the gut is your second brain in some way.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: yoga teaches you to feel your that area, the gut, in a completely different way. We might say the chakras get brought into play, that sacral sort of chakra, orange chakra, yellow chakra area. It's going to help you become more attuned with those energies so that when you do eat something, you go, hey, I notice I'm having maybe... This doesn't make me feel good. Maybe you ate some, you eat too much at some point. And so you sit down and go, hey, I'm tired. You start to connect those things. And so the next time you go and eat, you might have something that energizes you instead. I've done this in my own way, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Where I have a lot of food sensitivities Mm -hmm. and things just make me feel uncomfortable. You know, they don't benefit me in my physical practice. They didn't maybe boost my energy. And so I've taken a real liking to farmer's markets
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just the produce section in general and going, hey, you know, today I feel like I need a little bit of grounding mm-hmm. and so I may eat root vegetables and then I might also eat, use the color red or incorporate that in some way because it's connected to grounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other days where, you know, I'm have, I have on a blue shirt today because it's my throat chakra. And okay. so I know that, hey, I want to incorporate that in some way. So maybe I'll have a smoothie that's blue, you know, add mm-hmm. some blueberries in there, some blackberries, whatever the case is. Uh, and so in some sense, that's one of the ways i practice mindful eating is by incorporating color and subtle energy yoga practice into it. The other way is yoga may say that we want to maintain a sattvic diet. -hmm. Um, So, this is maybe part of the philosophy, I guess, but a sattvic diet, it says that, hey, there's certain things we consume that naturally help to elevate and boost our energies that create a more high minded or enlightened state Mm -hmm. or get you ready for that. And so, you would cut out maybe things like onion and garlic because they, or, you know, no tobacco, alcohol, things of that nature that maybe take you into just, you know, has a negative impact on your health. Begin to feel it and you make the connection.
0: And so you just mentioned something interesting, chakras. What is that?
1: So we have these seven meridians or points where energy sort of collects within ourselves. And you would go from your root chakra all the way up to your sahasrara or crown chakra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the chakras are basically connected with different, not only energies, but organs in Mm -hmm. the body. They're connected to different postures. They are connected to simply different vibrations. When we think about color and the spectrum and all of those things, it's a different vibration or Mm -hmm. frequency in that area and energy center within the body. So someone who has I don't know, issues w- with speaking or, you mm-hmm. know, thinking about that, you may want to, again, just concentrate on your throat chakra, your Vishuddhi mm-hmm. chakra, and mm-hmm. again, incorporate colors like blue, do oming or chanting or anything like that, that is going to stimulate the vibration and raise the f- frequency in that part of your body. So colors can do that. Uh, crystals and it, it, you know, mm-hmm. lots of things.
0: Gotcha. So basically, I'm glad you went through all of the health benefits regarding the the practice of yoga itself because multiple studies have confirmed that yoga has many mental and physical benefits and in- incorporating it into your routine can help enhance your health, increase your strength and flexibility and reduce symptoms of stress, depression and anxiety. So basically finding the time just to practice yoga just a few times per week may be enough to provide a noticeable difference in your overall health. So I'm glad that you mentioned all of those. Also, I wanted to ask you as well that you mentioned that you wanted to provide some additional information about the Bikram like type of yoga practice?
1: So, yes, right now, because of the pandemic, I know a lot of people maybe haven't been getting into the studio as much. And I know that especially when the pandemic started, it was a tough transition for me because you you become kind of addicted to the heat, you know? Mm -hmm. And you think, well, what can I do without it? So I even practiced in my bathroom for a moment where I would turn on the shower, block the door and, you know, get it all nice and toasty in there. And Mm -hmm. then I'd do that for a moment. But while the heat is beneficial, it, you know, you can actually live without it. You can, you'll still get the benefit of all the 26 postures, the two breathing exercises, you're still getting the same benefit in your joints, the same strength flexibility, all of those things still happen. So the heat is great, but don't let that be the reason to not practice or not check it out at some Mm -hmm. point online or wherever you can. It's a really, really awesome practice.
0: Excellent. And so one of my biggest objectives with doing this podcast is to basically bring to light healthcare disparities. And there are significant healthcare disparities in minority communities, African-American, Hispanic populations are heavily impacted by many of the medical conditions in our society, such as heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that nature, stroke. And those disparities often have to do with lack of access to medical slash health resources and finances and education. So what would you say to those individuals who may have limited access to a gym membership or let's say access to maybe coming to your studio to basically have a class. So, what would you say to them like okay as far as anybody that may have reservations about practicing yoga especially in that community and then to the addressing the financial component of it like how could they get into it if they were interested.
1: So, there are a lot of different resources out there for you and like, there's one that I really, ch- Black Boys' Own.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, it is a collective of a couple hundred different yogis all around the world. And uh, the whole goal is to address that disparity. It mm-hmm. is to cr- make yoga more accessible and sort of put, you know, individuals, black people, with black people to show them how this practice can honestly serve you. And, so that's one resource that you can actually go to online, BlackboysOm.org. Okay. It's worth it. You have these all these different resources for wherever you choose to step into the path. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can go online on, on blackboysome.org and connect with individuals who are either at the same point on the path or in different styles of yoga, lots of different teachers.
0: And So Black Boys Own Academy, is that what you said? Okay. So Black Boys Own Academy is a resource for individuals who may be interested in practicing yoga. What about, uh, I think I came across something else that you mentioned and I was doing some research. It was like black to yoga. Yes. So it, se- it seems like a movement. I was looking at it online. So can you explain a little bit more about black to yoga? So black to yoga
1: also an online platform, and they offer classes that are targeted and specifically geared towards people of color and uh, understanding what it can do within our communities when we do have access. And it addresses some of those barriers, those financial limitations. You get to connect with teachers from all different backgrounds and walks of life. So both of these organizations, quite frankly, Person of color, melanated individual, you know, hop on and connect with it. They offer classes not just online, but mm-hmm. also in person. So maybe at one of your local parks, at somewhere, you know, a gym, at barber shops, lots and lots of different places. So I know that within those two, you'll find something that makes you feel comfortable, and you start online, go in person, but it's going to connect you to a community of people who are also interested in being healthier Mm -hmm. and just being better in some way.
0: Awesome. I think that's so great. And you mentioned too, that, you know, the different yoga instructors are, you know, on different like paths. So what do you mean by the path as it relates to yoga?
1: So- I started my asana practice, which is when I really first came across the word yoga in any meaningful way, about Mm -hmm. 12 or so years ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. However, I started chanting and meditating and so on about maybe eight or so years before that. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't immediately connect the two. Mm -hmm. So even though I was still doing these things that were yogic, I didn't necessarily call them yoga. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think you'll meet all these teachers who have had their own experience of healing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and of transformation. And however they found themselves on the path of seeking that growing or being better or evolving, you know, we all kind of came together under under this umbrella that we call yoga. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you'll meet folks like, you know, who have sat down. I have some really great friends who are monks and you go to temple and uh, things like that. I have other friends who live in ashrams and these are all people of color, you know, and men Mm -hmm. of color. And so that was also really amazing, too, you Mm -hmm. know, that we're all somehow doing this work, this inner work, And we've all congregated and collected under these different banners where you can, where we can now get to share and share what worked for us, and with the hopes that maybe it'll work for you too, or that you'll find some way to connect.
0: I wanted to ask you as well, my most memorable experience after like my taking my first yoga class was that at the end it said namaste. And we had, we did that to each other and we bowed. So can you explain what does that mean? And I just thought it was amazing.
1: Sure. Uh, So namaste is the light in me honors the light in you. The God in me honors, affirms and sees the God in you. It's a place where we can all connect and realize that we're all in some way, for me, at least our own gurus. And we can see that in everyone else as well. You know, so Mm -hmm. namaste. Yeah.
0: And so before we uh, wrap up this episode, thank you again, by the way, for just just sharing your wealth of knowledge. But I want to at least number one, ask you if people are interested in taking your class, how can they find you? Is it through social media? Do you have a website? So feel free to share that information with my listeners.
1: Sure thing. So I'm on, I'm basically in the social media world known as Yogi Posture. So I have yogiposture.net and I'm also on Instagram as Yogi Posture. For classes and so on, uh, you'll have to just sort of follow Black Boys Om Academy and Black to Yoga. And on there, You'll be able to find me for group classes, but reach out independently if you want. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And so, do you want to share anything, you know, any parting thoughts with my listeners before we get out of here today?
1: Do it. Just do it. Like, I, I mean, do, do, yes, I promise you. I, I, look, I can't really stress enough and I don't really need to, but no matter what your goals are, yoga is going to help you reach it in some way, mind, mm-hmm. body, and spirit. So don't let any sort of fear stop you. Don't let physical limitations stop you. Don't let not having a mat or finances stop you. I promise you this practice is for you and we're trying to make it more accessible. And so please do the yoga.
0: See, everyone, listeners, you heard them, Deb, just do it. Just start and they'll go from there. So thanks again for coming on the the podcast and just sharing, you know, your wealth of knowledge. And definitely I will be trying to check out a class, hopefully in person, but it's great to know that you guys have it available virtually, um, especially since we're in the midst of a pandemic. So listeners, there are no excuses of why you can't try yoga because it's virtual and in person. So yeah, so thanks again for checking out this episode. This is your host, Dr. Dion. And don't forget to subscribe and definitely tell your friends and family about the podcast. And be safe. This is your host again, Dr. Dion. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.